Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show to ease your expat overwhelm and be inspired by other newcomers' stories. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow expats and share their unique challenges, triumphs and revelations as they build their new lives here. It's great to have you. This week's guest is the lovely Nina from Switzerland. Nina moved to Vancouver in 2016 after falling in love with Canada during her road trip across the country. I always said to people in one month I graduated, moved abroad, started my first job after university and moved in with my boyfriend. That was a little bit crazy looking back. <laughs> it was crazy and it was not always easy. I have to I have to admit it was quite a change and I think you you're a big advocate of speaking openly about feeling homesick and I think I struggled a lot with that in the beginning. I was very homesick. In this episode we chat about the infamous task of personal branding. Moving abroad is the perfect chance to reflect on who you want to be and to refine your personal branding. Being able to clearly communicate what you do and what opportunities you're looking for across all areas of your life can be a really useful skill when starting over in Canada. Nina inspires us to shake up our personal branding, confidently stand out from the crowd and grab new opportunities with both hands. Let's start the show. Hi Nina, how are you? I'm doing really well. How are you, Kate? I am so good. I just want to say I absolutely love your name. I have a funny story about it. My tooth fairy was called Nina oh, really? when I was growing up. Oh, such, I'm so happy that you have such a good connection to this name. I love the name. I want to like call my daughter Nina just because of the tooth fairy, but I think that's kind of weird. But yeah, my dad used to write these like tiny little letters in tiny, tiny writing and it was always like, love Nina. Oh, it's so beautiful. And you know, as an, an international or like an, as an expert, Nina is really a helpful name because everybody can pronounce it in any language I never have struggles with my name it's just so pretty I love it thank you so how are things in Vancouver we've had a mini heat wave in in November over here in Toronto I have no idea where that's come from but I love it what's it like in Vancouver oh I wish no it's very (laughs) cold here well very cold it's BC cold right it's like five degrees we're already suffering that's very cold in BC and um it's, it has been raining a lot and we're expecting some snow this week. Let's see if that's really going to happen. Well, you'll get your revenge on me soon. It's going to be like minus 20 here and then you can laugh at me. But right now it's like 20 degrees outside. I'm thinking, what is happening? This is amazing. That's crazy. 20 degrees yeah. in November. So nice. So do you live right in the centre, like downtown Vancouver? Yes, I do very close. I don't live on that little island downtown just outside, like over one bridge. So it takes me about 15 minutes to go downtown and it's... It's a really lovely neighborhood. It's where a lot of locals live, like young couples. And um, it's like where the food scene is and and all these fun things of the city. Oh, good. Amazing. Yeah, I've only been to Vancouver a couple of times, but yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, Well, I'm hoping the distance doesn't mess with this interview too much. My last guests who were in Vancouver were Ollie and Shona from Ireland, and it did not go well with all like the time delays and video freezing. So fingers crossed. That's what we get for being on opposite ends of of such a huge country. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay, let's hope for the best. We already had some microphone struggles in the beginning, so maybe we checked that already off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we made it work. made it work. 
Well, it's so great to meet you properly. Um, yeah, we've been following each other's journeys on Instagram for, ugh, I don't know, years, I think, right? <laughs> yes, I, I think so. It has been a while, I think, since we've both arrived here in, yeah. in Canada. Well, I love your photography. It has like all the cool street art and coffee and mountains. So go follow her people for all the Vancouver vibes. What about Nina? Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I'm really pumped to talk to you about where you are originally from because yeah, I think I say this to every guest, but I've actually dreamt about visiting Switzerland for years. It just looks like a fairy tale, you know, like castles overlooking lakes and like Aww. those little houses nestled in between the green hills. <laughs> and and then, of course, you guys are like the kings and queens of melted cheese and chocolate, which are like my two favorite things. Ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us all about it. So you grew up in the countryside in the German part. What was that like? Yes. So I grew up in a little town at the Lake of Constance. That's about... 20 minutes from the German border and 20 minutes from the Austrian border. So that was very cool as a teenager because growing up in the countryside, we all know wherever you are on this planet, it's not fun to be a teenager, right? You want to discover the world and the city and do exciting things. But then we could always cross the border and try shopping in Germany or nightclubs in Austria. So that was always exciting. Oh, wow. But otherwise, it was very, very calm growing up, which I especially looking back, really appreciate. It was very nice and like peaceful and you could still play on the street and, you know, like have just, it was just a very, um, I think, lovely childhood. Oh, fantastic. Like that's the beauty of Europe and, you know, the freedom of borders and everything. Just hopping over to Germany. That sounds amazing. (laughs) I know so many people here, they find it so weird when I say, yeah, we went for dinner to, to Germany and then we went to the movies and then we went home and the next day we went to the lake and the Austrian side but I think I just took it for granted for me that was nothing special right amazing so there are four languages that are spoken there right so you grew up in the German part but then there's people that speak German French Italian Romance obviously that shows the how the country was influenced by like all the different countries around Mm -hmm. it back in the day um so which ones do you speak so I speak well German of course and then I speak French because we have um if you go to high school you have about nine years of French in school so from the national languages I speak those two um Italian unfortunately not it's just uh, one very small part of the country where they speak Italian in the south just at the at the Italian border and then you have Romance which is spoken I think, I hope nobody, nobody's <laughs> going to correct me, I think it's about 10,000 people. It's really not, not many. It's just oh, okay. one part of the country, a few villages, but it's still considered a national language. Yeah. But there are not many people who speak speak it anymore oh, wow i just love how multicultural the the countries are in europe and you always just put the rest of us to shame with like all your language skills so that's amazing <laughs> i think you have to do that as a, like especially as a small country i think for example holland i think they speak like perfect english as well mm. and and we just have to learn other languages because we're we're just too tiny to, <laughs> to make everybody speak swiss german <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty isolating, I guess. So obviously yeah. you mentioned French is pushed quite hard in schools and then obviously English too, like your English is perfect. So um, did you grow up, you were spending a lot of time learning all those languages in schools and then I guess you have like TV shows and you were watching US TV shows and things like that. That would help, I guess, too. Well, growing up, there was kind of pre-Netflix, pre-internet mm. time. So um, we really didn't watch anything in any other language our our tv was really just swiss german and high german 
We might have had a few movies in English, you know, a DVD or a cassette in English. But um, I mainly learned the languages in school. So I had French starting in my fifth class. We started speaking French. I had very good French teachers, which helped. And then I studied English before, but that was not mandatory because my, my neighbor was from Ireland, or she still is from Ireland. And I took some English classes with her, me and my best friend took English classes with her. That's handy. So I started pretty early with English and then French. I also had Spanish in high school. It just shows how amazing the education must be there because I had Spanish classes in my school and it's just like, there's no words of Spanish that I can speak now. <laughs> like it's just So the fact that you just can speak fluently these languages just from your school alone, that's just so impressive to me. It's amazing. But you know, I have to, I have to be honest. Like English is good now, German, of course. Then French, I lost a bit. But now being here, it's also a second language. So I, I really give an effort to try to speak French again. And my partner is Mexican. So I freshed up my Spanish because let's be honest, before I met him, my Spanish was to hola, como estas? <laughs> like the basics. <laughs> Una cerveza, por favor. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the most important thing I know. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so you grew up in the countryside and then you moved to Zurich for school. So what did you study? How was that? going from a countryside to, to a big city? So, well, big city, I guess for many people, they wouldn't <laughs> consider Zurich a big city. It's about half a million people. But for me, it was still, was still a big move. And I think I struggled a bit with it because I was very well connected in my hometown, very close to my family. I had many friends who stayed in my hometown. So for the longest time, I was like with one foot in Zurich and with one foot at, still in my hometown. Mm. And I never really cut the cord and really completely moved to Zurich. I just did that in the last couple of years before I came here. But I must say, I love to live in Zurich and I still miss it to this day because it's, I would say you can compare it a bit to Vancouver. It's not too big, but you have all the perks of a big city. You have the movies, the nightclubs, the, the culinary, all those things. You have a beautiful old town, which I miss here. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. That's this old... Oh, the history. Yes, old historical cities. But I loved it. And I studied um, political science at the University of Zurich. And um, Zurich has so many universities. So it's a very young city. It has a good vibe. It's, it is rather expensive. It's considered, I think, one of the top five most expensive cities in the world. Uh -huh. But as a student, you, you find your way. It's, there are also places you can afford and can have a good time. So I really, I really love that. Oh, I definitely miss the history, you know, walking down and seeing that history all around you, you just took it for granted growing up with it. And now, yeah, you, it really does affect me when after a while, when I go back home, I, I'm like a tourist again. I'm thinking, oh my God, how old is this building? <laughs> I need to take a picture of this because like, everything is just so new here. It's crazy. So yeah, yes. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. So have, you have all those pictures on your phone when you're going home <laughs> yeah. from, from old buildings, right? I know. <laughs> or just like the pub down my parents' road and it's like I saw that pub every day but now I'm just like it's so pretty and old and I love it that's true that's true and even like the house of our parents is probably older than almost this country right yeah, so exactly it's very different yeah very so Zurich then so if you were visiting for the first time what do you recommend doing um well definitely uh, visiting the old town it's beautiful um just stroll around maybe get some chocolate here there here and there course lint chocolate right that's from switzerland that's like my favorite yes but the good thing <gasps> oh. is in switzerland you have all those smaller uh, also smaller stores with not those famous famous brands because lint now you can buy it all over the world but then you have those ones 
that you can't buy. Right, that's true. Like the boutique ones. Oh, yes. Can you imagine? There is one. You might get the chance to visit it once in, if you're in Toronto. It's called Lederach. Okay. Maybe I can I can send it to you. We consider yeah. it as the very fancy good chocolate and uh, we probably consider it better than Lindt. Mm-hmm. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> Maybe I get some angry messages after this podcast, but I think it's very good. Oh, yum. Okay, I'm going to have to try that. I'm such a chocolate chocoholic oh it's a real problem so i i don't know maybe that's why i haven't gone yet because i just know i'm gonna put on like 50 pounds <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> there's a chocolate museum but that's outside of zurich there will be a chocolate museum with a chocolate fountain so if oh, you have some wow. time that would be definitely worth a visit what about the cheese too because i guess like cheese fondue is from switzerland the raclette you know that mm-hmm. melted cheese that you get on all the christmas markets that's from switzerland yes. as well so it just sounds the, like the most incredible place <laughs> yes it is it is amazing if you get the chance to go to switzerland during christmas time n- not in a global pandemic but then um the christmas markets they offer all those things you have this little huts and then you have like you know at the fireplace and some uh, mulled wine and then fondue and raclette there are many places even during the year in zurich or in other cities where you can try raclette and fondue it's really our our best seller. I've introduced so many people to mulled wine because no one knows about it here. And I bought the sachets from England and it's probably like the worst way to make it. But like I just buy like the sachets with all the spices and everything mm-hmm. and I just make it myself and I bring it everywhere. And you can just tell they're being polite and they like sip it and they're just like, hmm, <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. <laughs> yeah, I guess you have to grow up with it, right? It's yeah. a- it's very a unique taste, but I'm glad you bring it over here. Yes. I just had actually raclette I had last week and fondue I had two weeks ago. So I'm a, a real Swiss when it's about fondue and raclette. So good. So would you say that it's the food that you miss the most about Switzerland then or are there other things that you miss too? I often say that I miss the feeling, going back to like the cities, I miss the feeling of walking around in, in Switzerland in a city and um, having everything so close. Like, like you said, yes. you can hop on a train and go there and do this. I probably didn't do it enough when I was back home. You know, you just take it for granted. You you always know you could go to Paris for the weekend, but you didn't do it like every weekend. But I missed the, the feeling of Zurich. Might might sound a bit weird, but I missed the feeling of, of the cities, of the European cities. But then definitely the food, because I realized, for example, in Montreal, you you still have a lot of Swiss food. They have little Swiss stores and they sell Swiss products. But we are just so far away and we are not really, Vancouver is not really a hot spot for Europeans. It's more the Asian immigrants. And Australian, right? You get yes. a lot of Australians here. <laughs> a lot of Australians, yes. So we don't have that many options, but it's it's increasing. So there is a, a cheese store where you can get your perfect fondue and the raclette, some chocolate. So there is a, a little store called the Black Forest store. They sell like specialities from Germany, Switzerland and Austria. Mm. So the first time I went there, I almost cried. I was like, oh, oh, oh this, oh, and this, oh, and this. So I, I bought way too many things. I feel like that. There's a lot of British stores around here too now. They're growing in numbers and I go in and it's just like all of the brands that I love. And yeah, you just get way too excited. And then they're like triple the price, but you're like, I'll pay it. I'll yes. pay anything. <laughs> and you buy all those things you would have never bought at home, back home, right? Oh, I know. Yeah. Like Branston pickle. I'm like, I, would, I never had Branston pickle on sandwiches and I'm just like living <laughs> for it. And I pay like $12 a jar. <laughs> what happened to me? Don't you have that spread? How is it called, that spread? Marmite. Ah, yes. Yeah, I have that too. But I can buy that in my like local grocery store. So they have like a little international aisle and it's in there. So I guess you're lucky a bit that you have a history, a common history like England and Canada. So you still have some 
some groceries, British groceries here. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely so going back to your point about how everything is so close in Europe. That is so true because, yeah, I mean, if Switzerland in itself that has such a well-developed train network there right so for such a small country you can basically get anywhere by train yes and like that's the same in england i always try and explain it to people that if you want to go to like a tiny town or village you there's a train station you just go get the train there and obviously here it's just not like that at all you have to have a car to like survive really to to get anywhere so yeah that's a major difference that that i found Did you do a lot of exploring of of Switzerland? Well, I was lucky that my parents, my parents love to travel, but they they always thought that it's very important that I know my own country as well, considering especially that it's so small. Mm. So we we every year we did one trip abroad and one trip at home. So in summer where it was usually too hot in like Italy and Spain, we went to one part of Switzerland, we did uh, hiking in the mountains. We went to Geneva and discovered the lake area there. Or we went to the Italian part. Oh, wow. Because they said, like, you can travel the whole world when you're older. We want to make sure that you that you know a bit where you're coming from. That's amazing. And those scenic routes that the trains must take around Switzerland, I can only dream. That must be amazing. <laughs> yes. I didn't do that very famous one that you see everywhere with that huge bridge, that red train, and then you're in the snow. I yes. didn't do that yet. So that's still on my list for next time I'm going back. I feel like I just wouldn't leave the train. I would just like buy a ticket and then just sit on there for like three days. And I'd be like, okay, yeah. I can go home now. <laughs> yes. I've seen everything. <laughs> Especially considering the train ticket is really expensive, so you want to make the most out of your time in the train. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm hungry now. Give me all the chocolate and cheese, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, amazing. So when did you start considering moving away from Switzerland then? What was the first kind of experience you had abroad where you thought, yes, I can see myself moving away and, and living in a new country? Well, honestly, I've never seen myself living abroad. That thought actually never crossed my mind growing up I was never one of the, those people who said oh one day I'm gonna live here and there um the first time actually I went to London I, I said oh my god I love this city I love London <laughs> so when I was a, a teenager I always said oh if I would move abroad then to London and then um in 2012 I did a road trip with a friend of mine we just had this whole free summer and we said we want to travel somewhere in a big country that is safe and then Canada was really fast on the map. Mm -hmm. So we did a road trip from Toronto to Vancouver. It took us about three, four weeks. Oh, wow. The big trip. Yes, it was absolutely amazing. We spent about 10 days in the east, around your area, around the lakes. We went hiking, swimming, met people. It was great. Then we crossed the prairies pretty fast. And then we were in the Rocky Mountains for a week. It was, oh, it was absolutely amazing. And then we arrived in Vancouver it was August, the most beautiful time in Vancouver. I arrived here and I was like, oh, I have to come back. This place is absolutely amazing. And we only had three days. We ran out of money because it was our last stop. So oh, there was not yeah. much to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, it definitely has that effect on you, especially when you're like on the island and you go to like Tofino and like all of those places. It's just the most beautiful place. It's like, yeah, it just takes your breath away, the scenery and everything. I'm with you there. Yes, but you definitely need some time. So three days was not enough. So I said, okay, I'm going to come back because studying abroad is really important in Switzerland. So I went back to Switzerland and then signed up for a year here. That was 2014-15. So I came here to study a year. And during that time, I met my my partner in crime. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, he still is. So we met during that time and then um, uh, we decided we, we, we had to do a long distance because I still had to go back to Switzerland, finish my studies. And he was an international living in Canada too, right? So he was originally from Mexico. Yes, he's from Mexico. When we met, he was already here for a few years. So he kind of settled already here. This was already home for him. And of course, we met in like the last couple of months I was here. Not in oh, the beginning. Course. It's never yeah. like this. No. <laughs> <laughs> and we were really like, oh, should we do this long distance? And it's pretty far, right? Mm-hmm. But we managed it. We did almost one and a half year long distance. Oh, wow. Did you know, you knew going into it how long it would be, I guess. You were like, okay, I'm just going to go back and do my last, you know, little bit of education and then I'll be back. So it was always like a plan. But even that, that's... That's such a struggle, I mean, to not see the person you care about for that long. I mean, did you come back at all or is it literally a year and a half not seeing him? No, I could. I came back, I think, three times. Okay. So that definitely helped. And um, I think for us, it really helped that we knew for how long this is going to take, that there was kind of an end yes. to it. I'm very impressed for, like, with couples who do it for five years and not knowing. And maybe they're from... Sometimes they're from difficult countries where it's very hard to move. Yeah, the immigration problems. Yes. So we knew there's an end to it. We knew that there's an option for me to come here. And uh, we've seen each other every now, every couple of months. Because I think not seeing each other one and a half year, I'm not sure if that would have worked. Because, you know, you don't have that shared experience anymore. Yeah. And also you'd only really known him for how long? Two, three months, you said. So yes. you've spent time with him for two, three months, but then it's like a year and a half is not seeing him. So yes. yeah, that just speaks to how strong that connection was straight away, though. So that's nice. I mean, I've, I had the same thing with, with my fiance. It was only a few months that we were together. And it's just crazy how you're just you're from different parts of the world. But it's just such an instant connection. It's it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what they what they call when you know it's 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 the right person, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You do everything you can. Did you do some long distance as well? Oh, barely. Yeah. I mean, we were away from each other for maybe 3 months, I think. So it wasn't anything. So nothing like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So when I was here in summer 2016 visiting him, we were like, okay, winter is coming close. I'm about to graduate. We have to find a solution. And then I was start I was start looking for a job. And I was very lucky that I found, while I was in Switzerland, I found an internship in Vancouver. So I graduated in the first week of December. And at the end of December, I was with two suitcases and and a job. Oh, I was wow. on my way to Canada. So I always tell people within <laughs> one... mess around. <laughs> no, I always said to people, in one month, I graduated, moved abroad, started my first job after university and moved in with my boyfriend. So oh, yeah, like all the major life milestones, pretty much just yes. like shoved in one month. Yes, that was a little bit crazy. Looking back, <laughs> it was crazy, and it was not always easy. I have to I have to admit, it was quite a change. And I think you you're a big advocate of speaking openly about feeling homesick yes and I think I struggled a lot with that in the beginning I was very homesick yeah well it must have helped though to go back to a place that you know after that road trip you had a couple of years before you're going back to that place that you know and you're familiar with even if it was for a few days but you knew that you'd fallen in love with the place and you're going back to you know your partner in crime and um, yeah just like knowing that you're going to live there long term like that's that must have been so exciting so was it everything that you thought when you arrived yes well as you say, I knew what to expect. I knew the city 
And, you know, maybe you had that as well. Some people were like, oh, you move abroad for a guy. How <laughs> could you? You know, all those. Oh, my God. So cliche. I roll. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But for me, it really helped that I knew I like the city. I know the city. I have yes. a job. So whatever happens, it's going to be fine, right? Yeah. How did you find your internship? So what resources were there? Was it just through your school that, that helped you do that? Or how did you go about finding that, that amazing internship? So I reached out to the Swiss consulate and was like, hey, I'm a political science student. I'm looking for a job. Do you have any jobs that you could offer? And they were like, no, actually not. But maybe reach out to the Swiss Canadian Chamber of Commerce. Mm. And I didn't even know that exists. But I thought, oh, okay, why not? So I sent an email to them and they were like, wow, this is perfect. We're actually looking for someone. Uh, Let's meet tomorrow. Oh, my God. So I was lucky. I was, yeah, I was lucky. I was still in Vancouver. So I went, went for coffee with the person who was doing my job at that moment and the boss. We had a coffee at the white spot and they were like, yeah, looks good. We have to talk to our board of directors, but we're positive. And then I was like, you know, you don't want to be too excited. But I thought, oh, wow, if that would work, you know, I could work for a Swiss company being abroad oh my god amazing I just love it when like the stars align like that I yes. just feel like there's got to be something governing stuff I don't know it's just it's just there's too many stories like that where it's just like you've been away for so long and apart from him and wanting to move here and then you need that perfect job and it's just kind of all falls together like that but then I guess it is due to your confidence to just reach out to I mean you were sending emails to the the different places that you wanted to work and being really proactive in that way so yeah I don't know there's there's a couple different sides to it I guess yes for sure and that's probably an advice we could give anyone who wants to to move abroad just pre be proactive mm. the world doesn't really wait for you but but um, there are opportunities out there and this was very a lucky uh, coincidence. Yeah, I guess don't just wait for those job positions to be posted. You just got to be, you know, a bit more proactive and reach out to those those people or to your dream job and even just make those connections. Yeah. Yes, and there are jobs out there you don't even know that they exist. I didn't know that there was a Swiss Canadian Chamber of Commerce and that they're actually having internship positions. So sometimes... Yes, you're going to discover something you didn't even expect. Oh, great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you did mention homesickness and we kind of glazed over that. So what's the what's been the most challenging part of, of moving here, do you think? Do you think it is the, the homesickness? I think so. And as I mentioned before, I'm, I have very a good network of friends back home. Most of us have been friends since we were children. Our parents know each other. So that was a big struggle, but luckily with like modern technology, I'm still, even four years after, I'm still in, in touch with most of them. I think you probably know that as well, that you see who's going to stick around, even if you're abroad, yes. right? You have those people, you send voice messages every week, you Skype, you talk, you feel like you're still part of their life. And the other part, which was very difficult for me and still is, is I'm an only child and I feel like. I left my parents, you know, they have just one kid and she Aww, had to decide Yes, she had to decide to move to the other side of the world. I really struggled with that and I was always very close with them and I still am. Mm -hmm. But um, even my mom said she's she was like, it's your life. You should live it. Enjoy it. Yeah. Don't you just wish sometimes you want to just like bundle them up and just take them and just like force them to move here? Like yes. <laughs> you just want to like be like in Canada. That would be like my perfect life. Like you're literally the only reason why I'm sad when I think about it too much. Like that my parents are so far away. I just want to take them and just like force them to live here. <laughs> and it will be like 
perfect. I'm like, can you just like stop yes. being selfish and just move here with me, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if you're unhappy, I'm going to be happy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess another part as well is that, um, oh, well, it's like the blessing and the curse of that small town vibe I mean I was from a small town as well and then you do have that very close-knit group and like everyone knows each other like what you were saying so to try and replicate that here is is really challenging because you've grown up with those people and that's years and years and years of, of developing those friendships so mm-hmm. yeah it's definitely a challenge to to not compare like the people that you're meeting here to to those mm-hmm. people that you've known for like 20 years it's really tough yeah have you so I guess in Vancouver as well a lot of people just come there for you know a small period of time have you ever had that issue where you've really met someone that you really liked and then they've kind of just got that temporary work permit and they move on or they just leave yes unfortunately that happens quite often so I met one of my best friends I had here we met in 2014 just in like my first week I was here we were co-workers and uh, she's a, she's from Holland and she instantly became my best friend we were like we connected Aww. so well and then she stayed here until I think 2018 so we met the parents the friends like friends from back home we were so close we were neighbors it was oh, absolutely wow amazing and then when she told me that she's gonna move home oh my god I cried so much (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the hardest that was by far the hardest yeah that's tough to then just lose them I had the same thing I met um, my Australian friend in Toronto and then she's ended up moving to Vancouver that's like another thing even just moving somewhere else in Canada because Canada's so big I'm like well great now you're like an eight hour flight away like it's the same (laughs) as if you just would moved home like yes yeah yes That's tough. And like, so Vancouver is so international. So most of our friends are internationals. And some of my closest friends now are, for example, from France. But many play with the thought, how should we go back at one point? Mm -hmm. Especially I feel like Europeans are very close to home. Mm -hmm. They, They always consider, I guess it's also we are lucky, politically and economically lucky that we can always go home. Yes. Because then... If you talk with Latinos, many of them are like, no, thank you. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to I'm gonna stay here. I love home, but it's not an option. So, um, yes, it's definitely, it's definitely tough. Yeah, you just meet so many diverse people here and their stories and their plans and everything is so diverse. No, I think one of the advantages here is that you get very close very fast because you, you don't have family here. You celebrate Christmas together. You celebrate birthdays, all the ups and downs of life you you celebrate it with with those people you meet here so you also get very close very fast right if you if I tell my friends in Switzerland oh she's my best friend and I met her two years ago they're like oh okay really yeah I think you just experience brings you closer together yeah definitely I totally agree what are you most proud of since moving here what's the best thing about living in Canada in your opinion so personally proud I think that I made it. It sounds really cheesy, <laughs> yes. but like I built up various a solid career here in Vancouver. Um, I have a good network of friends, a fiance. We just got a puppy. I feel like I. <gasps> oh my god, puppy! Yes. <laughs> right now he's a little bit a headache, but usually he's very cute. <laughs> oh, what uh, breed is he? Uh, a yellow lab. <gasps> oh my god, the best ones. Very cute. Yeah, he's adorable. He really makes life so beautiful. So I think I'm very proud of how I build up a life here, right? That's, I think that's something we should all be proud of mm-hmm. and give each other a, 
a pep talk on there. Yeah, and to turn it around so quick too. I mean, less than a couple of years since graduating, you've you've set up a whole new life and and you're happy and you have a great career and it's, it feels good when you when you boss life that much. Yes, it's sometimes hard to say, right? We don't compliment ourselves often, but I think we should do that more. I agree. So you yourself have an exciting passion project. Your creative communication website is one that shares book reviews and business talks and female empowerment and personal branding. So yeah, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit about personal branding because that's a term that I hear a lot in career development world, in the expat settlement space, in the entrepreneur space. So perhaps first off, we can we can discuss a little bit about what it actually is and why is it such an important focus today you know especially for people who are new to Canada and starting to build a new life here um, what is personal branding and, and why is it important yes so it's a topic that it's fairly new to me as well and I actually did a podcast recently with a friend and when I listened to it after I was like oh, Nina you really don't sell yourself well like <laughs> you do so many great things but you talk about it with two sentences that's it and yeah that's it and it's not very inspiring mm -hmm. and then I thought I I would like to get into the topic more I start to read listen to podcasts I really dived into the topic I realized how much is out there and how important personal branding is actually for all of us because personal branding and it goes back to the topic we had before especially in Europe it's like oh you just brag about yourself you're the best the, the coolest, the most successful. <laughs> but that's not what personal branding is about, right? It's it's about telling the world, the people around you, who you are and what you do. Because all of us, at one point, we have to look for a new job or the awkward salary discussions or we want to get a promotion. And then people need to know why they should give us the job and why should they give us this salary increase. And if they don't know who's the personal brand, behind you they might just overlook you and I think for women it's even more important because I read once a study that women talk I think it was 10 seconds less doing a job interview about their strength you know when 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 they ask you oh what's your strength and then women are often well I'm not too bad in Excel <laughs> yes. you know you, you sell Some it like, people have said that so, yeah I think I'm okay <laughs> and the guy is like well, I have a, a, a diploma in Excel, I do this, 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 and uh, these are the results. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, you know, so we really have to level up our game on that and, um, and tell the world world who we are yeah I guess it, that's such a great way to put it because it's not just about growing your online presence I feel like that's quite a misunderstanding around it sometimes you know oh I just need to have like these amazing profiles online and you know all of these followers and things like that um, but yeah I think it's more like a combination of everything that makes up who you are in the eyes of the people that you want to interact with so mm -hmm. you know defining who that is in the first place I guess and then filtering that through like all all aspects of your interaction so yes. I guess it's like building that reputation right yes and don't it's important not to build your personal brand around a job mm. because as tough as it sounds but the job could be gone tomorrow right and then if you define yourself just around the job that's probably not not very helpful I maybe I can bring an example I'm a science and technology officer but not to define myself around the job, I decided that I want to put my focus on clean tech and I would like to become a specialist in clean tech. So this is important for my job, but it's also something 
I could sell, let's say I lose my job tomorrow. Mm. I could be like, hey, you know, that's, that's something where I'm knowledgeable, something I'm interested. Here are some reports I've written. So don't focus your personal brand on a job. Yeah, that's a really good point because, yeah, it can always be reinvented too. I mean, whether something changes and you have to do it or you might your, your interests might change in the future and you yes. want to pivot and you want to do something and you can reinvent the whole branding as well. So, yeah, and I think it's kind of boring to be like, I'm a so-and-so manager and like that's who you are as a person. I feel like we're moving a, more and more away from that. Like it used to be like that in North America and now it's more about who you are as a person and mm -hmm. you do see that in like interview questions don't you where it's more now it's, you can tell that they're trying to figure out if you're like a good fit for the team mm -hmm. as opposed to like your your experience of like what have you done it's it's much more a feeling that they get from you in interviews and things like that so that's where I guess personal branding is, is so important yes so for beginners then if someone's kind of hearing this for the first time and they they want to look at their personal branding how do you even start what what's a simple checklist that you can get people to start with mm, i think it always helps to do kind of a, a reality check first to see where where do you stand and think about like what do you like to talk about what are you interested in what are you good at what are your favorite tasks at work maybe some weaknesses and just write that down that really helped me to to have it like on paper. I was like, oh, actually, I am good in this. I am good in networking. I am good in bringing people together, right? That also gives you a little lift, you know, that you're excited yeah. about what you're good at. And then it helps if you check with your people around you, maybe your coworkers, and see what their perception is of you. Mm. What do they think about you? What do they think is your strength? When they need help in something, when do they talk to you about what? And see if the perception, the perception they have of you is the same as the perception you have of yourself. If those two align, perfect, job well done. Otherwise, you might have to position yourself better, right? And highlight more what, you, what you're interested in, where you would like to focus on. For example, back to my clean tech example, I was like, okay, That's something I really like. Let me see how my coworkers see that. And my co most, some of my coworkers were like, yeah, actually, I, I see that this is your topic. And, uh, and now I'm working on positioning myself in that area. And uh, I try to write LinkedIn posts about it. I try to talk in, in conversations about it. This is a, a bit harder now with, with the whole Corona situation. Mm -hmm. But try to position yourself because when you position yourself, you also increase your your visibility and your credibility. Right. Picking a area that you want to be seen as like an authority figure in that industry. Yes. And I've, I've read once, I thought that was a very good uh, tip or good advice, especially if you talk about being a leader in a special field. For example, um, this she's a personal branding specialist in Germany. And she said when she had her weekly talk with her boss, you know, like, what are we working on, what we are doing? At the end of their talk, she always said something she, she did well this week or a feedback she received. She just said, oh, by the way, on Project X, Mr. Müller really liked my performance there or he gave us that and that feedback or this and this happened. So she really 
highlighted her strength, right? Mm -hmm. And she said in the beginning, it was so awkward. Yeah, it just feels so wrong, like fundamentally yeah. wrong, just to be like, I'm awesome at this. It's just so weird to me that it's yes. such a struggle for us. But yeah. <laughs> no, it's so weird. I, I didn't try it yet. I, I would love to try it. But it feels, it probably feels very weird to be like, hey, and by the way, I did awesome in this project. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it's important that we highlight our strength. Yeah. And then I guess, so once you've nailed it down and you think, okay, great, I found something that I want to brand myself around and, and position myself as an authority around that. And then you have to kind of create an elevator pitch. I hear that word elevator pitch all the time. So back to pre-pandemic times, if you're going to these networking events and you're caught in an elevator with someone um, and you have, I don't know, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, probably even to, to sell yourself and your skills. And how do you go about doing that in a way that makes you stand out and, you know, effectively communicates your skills? Um, obviously, especially as a newcomer, networking is really important. And we're going to have to try and put ourselves out there and find careers. And but then, yeah, the elevator pitch, I find really challenging, because you could just start reading out your resume and blah, blah, blah. But um, <laughs> how do you actually do it in a, in a, in a way that's going to benefit you? No, this is such a good question because I think it's it's so difficult it, it happened to me so often that somebody asked me oh what are you doing and I'm like well <laughs> and then I start rambling on about what I was doing there was no red, red thread and it didn't really spark any attention right yeah you really have to stand out I think you can break it down to a few points like first who are you very short like in one sentence you kind of have to make your pitch first and then earn the right to share more about yourself so one sentence, who are you? What is the goal of your pitch? Are you presenting a project, an organization? Are you looking for a job? Mm -hmm. Again, this should be very short. And then grab their attention with something. Like if you pitch your company, for example, you say, our company reduces the amount of plastic in the ocean by 5%. For sure, you will have the attention. Yeah, tangible results. Yes, exactly. Or thanks to my work experience abroad, I'm speaking three languages. Mm-hmm. And then you already stand out. You know, you have to make the other person remember you because we all meet so many people on a daily basis, right? He has to remember or she, oh, that was the one who speaks fluent Cantonese or mm -hmm. French or, you know, something special. And then maybe finish with, with a call to action or a question or propose a meeting. Maybe that needs some, needs some bravery, but I think uh, a call to action at the end is always good. What I always do, I always give my business card. I, th I think some people think that's a dying tool, but... No, yeah, I agree. Um, and then you could even go one step further and ask for theirs, because then at least the power mm -hmm. is in your hand and you have their number. Whereas if you give them... I always think if I give my business card, I'm like, well, that was like... 20 cents that's probably going to go in the garbage, garbage yeah. I always <laughs> I'm so pessimistic I'm like oh well the Vista print money is like going down the drain but um <laughs> I feel like if they you know a lot of people do follow up and and they're at a networking event as well so they're looking to do the same thing so I would hope that they would email me but then I guess when you say to them you could end the elevator pitch in a way that's like hey would it, can I take your business card I'd love to I don't know mm -hmm. arrange a call or something then at yes. least you have their contact and and you can follow up and make sure that connection is happening so. Yes, that's a, that's a very good one. And I always try also to add them on LinkedIn afterwards. And then sometimes I shoot them a quick message. If I don't have their email, I, I send it there or I send a quick email. And often I just say, hey, such a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we get the chance to, to have a coffee soon or further discuss our collaboration. And that's something I think it's so good here in, in Canada 
that you can actually do that. I think in Switzerland, I don't know if I would have the guts to send somebody an email and say that, ah, let's go for a coffee. But here it's so normal to have a to go for coffee, discuss business. and um, yeah. Or even just friends. I feel like, so going back to my friend who's from Australia, I literally met her in the office. She was on the other side of the office, but I just kept looking at her like a weird stalker. Like, she looks really <laughs> cool. I want to be her friend. She looks really cool. And then I just went up to her and I was like, hey, like, want to go for a coffee like at lunch? And it was just, I would, yeah, so unnatural in our normal situations. But yeah, moving abroad kind of gives you that confidence or at least you have to try and paste that on yes for sure so that definitely helps for private and business i agree yeah and then i guess it ties back to the whole personal branding again so if you're reaching out on linkedin afterwards and like you've done your elevator pitch and then obviously all that work that you've done on the personal branding is now it's like a full loop because now they're looking at your profiles and that it's all being reinforced yes and maybe it helps to have a few elevator pitches prepared mm-hmm. because not every person is the same you may maybe pitch in a different circumstance depending on like what you want from it yeah yes so to to adjust it a bit and uh, but that's definitely something I still have to work on as well but I think it's an ongoing development you you do it once uh where was maybe so so you do it again (laughs) this one was perfect and then you try to do another person so Mm -hmm. so to sum up then if you wanted to start work today what's like the first thing that people should do is is to really start identifying what you want to be yes i think so and that's a tough one because yes it honestly took me a couple of months. So I opened the creative communication account, I think in March. And then I switched from writing account, creativity account, business account. Well, now I really found my passion about talking about personal branding, about business, about female empowerment. But it took a while. Same with my clean tech example at work. So I think people shouldn't put too much pressure that they... Listen to this podcast, take out the notebook, and half an hour later they know where their niche is and what they want to focus on. So I think it, it does help to, to write down those questions and then think about it for a while. And maybe what I do on LinkedIn and on Instagram, I just post some posts and see how they feel, how the interaction is, you know. Some go really well and some were like, I had to even delete them, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's trial and error. Yes, exactly. It's trial and error. And then just don't put too much pressure to define your brand within two days. It's really an ongoing process. And what you said before, it can always change over time. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think people care about what you look like more than other people care. I feel like you shouldn't get bogged down with like, oh, they're going to be laughing at me if I pick a brand and then I change it. Like no one's like people are worried about their own brands. Like no one cares about what you're doing, like to the point where it's going to be an issue. So, yeah, I think that's a big lesson that I've learned as well. Mm-hmm. Just like try something out and throw myself out and just not be embarrassed if it doesn't work out because no one really noticed. They're just going to celebrate that you tried especially in Canada so yes for sure no I I think that's such an amazing takeaway from this podcast and I think you said it before in a podcast when you said you know people don't sit at home and just wait (laughs) what we do and how we fail or if we succeed everybody has their own um, their own life their own struggles and I think we focus sometimes too much on what do they think exactly and if you're contributing something positive then there's there's just nothing but positivity to that like if you're going to put something out in the world then there's yeah it's it's always a good thing in my eyes yes definitely 
So where can people go to find you and learn more about personal branding and the the creative communication? So creative communication is on Instagram. It's my handle on Instagram and it's my handle on Facebook. The Facebook page I just started this week, so it's very mm-hmm. fresh. I also have the website. It's creativecommunication.wordpress.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Nina, for your time today. It's been really, really, really great. I loved getting to know you after all of those DMs on Instagram. Finally get to see your face and, and chat to you. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so inspired right now. I think I'm going to sit down with my notebook right now and, and work a bit, right? I know, me too. I really am. I'm thinking, okay, who am I? <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> okay, let's really big question. It <laughs> that was yeah. great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.